Hey, welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, not Perfect Kid. And this episode is brought to you by the Baptistry Backdrop Company. You know, not everyone can be baptized in the Jordan River, so here's something for you to consider. We can paint you a mural today that'll rival your favorite Thomas Kincaid. From mountains and trees to clouds and doves, all in colors your grandmother loves. Hey, today we're joined by PK Ryan Hayfleet. And we had so much fun on this episode, especially in the introductions where Eli was learning some new denominational church words. So we're going to let you in on our behind the scenes up front before we jump into today's actual content. And also keep an eye on Instagram at those preachers kids. We've got some funny and exclusive visual content that just doesn't translate well over audio. So let's head on over to today's episode and meet our little recovering fundamentalist PK. Ryan, I'm not sure there's a whole lot more I can tell you about Eli than what you already know. Um, we met um, through the Anon Twitter world back when there were like 70 Anon PK accounts that were bashing on their parents mm-hmm. and their churches. Um, Eli wasn't nice. one of them, but we met because of comp- conversing with those accounts. Um, and then we just we became great friends and just started talking PK life and church leadership and all that after that. But one day we were like, we should record these conversations. So Eli works with his dad at a life church in Wilmington, North Carolina, a great church. They're crushing it. Um, Ryan, um, where to even begin? So oh gosh, um, I am that one friend. <laughs> Ryan's dad. <laughs> no. Ryan's dad. Um, Ryan's a fourth generation or fifth, fourth or fifth PK. Fourth. Yep. He's a fourth gen PK. Um, his grandpa pastored in Illinois um, or Indiana, Indiana. Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then his dad was traveling around in like the, the, what used to be called the youth rally circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the churches would get together once a month or something and do this thing called a youth rally. And it was a big deal. Um, and they were actually pretty cool back in the day. Um, and so his dad was doing a lot of that, you know, writing articles and, you know, being all Baptist and everything. Um, (laughs) His dad is like the founder or president of the King James Bible conference. And, um, he, uh, his, his dad's a cool dude. I've met his dad several times. Um, um, but then Ryan started working at, um, summer camp at camp victory where I was at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he was really tearing it up for the Lord back then. He was on fire, young, independent, fundamental Baptist, ready to argue at the drop of a hat, and he'd bring the hat, you know. Um, <laughs> I'd drop the hat. Yeah, so Ryan is working right now at a large ministry in the Chicago area, but he's getting mm-hmm. ready to go take over a Christian school and uh, lead some yep. ministries under his dad's church in Mattoon, Illinois. Nice. Um, yeah, so. That's amazing. I need to see if. I can change the color on this light because I blend in with the Western wall back here. <laughs> the Wailing Mall. Yeah. That was a little better. So I will tell you this, Eli. My first introduction to John at Camp Victory, um, he was arguing. This. No, it was it was great. Um, one of my great friends, Mario. <laughs> he was So were you Luigi? No, 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 no. Guys, name is actually none of that. None of that. His name is literally Mario. Um, he, we were having a conversation in the workers' cabin about 
pants, pants on women and whether or not it was allowed. And I was just getting slaughtered by these super indie fundy guys about, you know, why it was such a sin. And John walked in and saved the day. And that was my introduction to my future idol. Question, what's an indie fundy? It sounds like a website or a band No, no, (laughs) it is, don't say band. Oh no, don't say band. It sounds like they would be like a Coldplay band, you know, like indie yeah, fundy. Yeah, yeah. Indie fundy, <laughs> independent fundamental. Amen. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's not a Coldplay band. It's a Cold Faith band. Ooh, um, amen. Um, Come on. Shows how little I know. <laughs> so we did an interview earlier today with girls that dropped the term IFB, which stand, is short for independent fundamental Baptist. So when you hear... IFB or indie fundy or fundamentalist, Eli, those are all synonymous for um, independent <laughs> fundamental Bible believing missionary supporting premillennial bless God better than you, King James only Baptist. Um, oh, so it's like the next, it's yeah. the, it's, so where do I, where, where am I? Am I that? You are an evangelical. Oh, liberal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> basically, you're a sermon illustration at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you're the guy. That our parents all judged and said you were leading people to hell with your oh, absolutely. versions of scripture and your contemporary music and your pants and women preachers. Y'all are all sending people straight to hell. Terrible. Terrible. Oh, electric, electric instruments on the on the stage. I mean, good grief. Oh, yeah. We yeah. It we are definitely what they would not like. <laughs> the uh the rule book for the Baptist faith, especially the Indie Fundy rule book, specifically states that you are permitted to have a uh, a guitar with an electric pickup, but not an mm-hmm. electric guitar. Correct. You can have a steel guitar or a dobro, so long as you do not play country music with it. But Sweet Home um, Alabama is acceptable. Sweet Home, the, the Sweet Home Alabama, the intro is acceptable inside the church building yes 100 percent. so you couldn't just rip off like a journey lyric like don't stop believing this just they would have no idea well there's a few problems with that if you just start playing some sort of a journey song not only have you admitted to being a sinner but anybody who recognizes that tune has implicated themselves in your sinner small group and everybody's going to need church discipline at that point now now is that the same for when it comes to like kanye west we don't Who's Kanye West? To talk about <laughs> Kanye West. We don't. He's the he's the false prophet at this point. We're or just just Justin sure Bieber. He might be the Antichrist, and don't get me started on Justin Bieber. Um, Bieber. They wouldn't like. They wouldn't like him. They're they're Dude. not a fan. In uh, fact, if we put some of this banter right here in the episode, I'm going to play the clip of that indie fundy preacher going after Justin Bieber for 20 minutes of his sermon. Yeah. Wow. And you wonder why people are just so drawn to Christianity. Thankfully, my family is not that way anymore. Praise the Lord. That's but good. they did have a pretty significant start in that. In that oh, world. if not a founding so like, start in that so world. What, so for my birthday, if my dad took me to a Journey and Led Zeppelin concert, how would that have been perceived? Going Your dad probably hell. was not a real preacher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Heretic. Yeah. yeah. A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. 
by your fruit you will know them yeah um your fruit looks turned so well and yeah. hanging out with a bunch of fruits so uh, <laughs> a bunch of fruit cakes it really was but you know that's just where we were that's awesome i would love to just get in there and just stir the pot and just say something and then just back away and let it just let the bomb just go off it's not mm-hmm. hard Ryan, one of the things that we should do for like a segment, maybe a returns a few times a year segment would be um, letting Eli throw a debate topic in the ring and we debate it as if we're still in the Indie Fundy world. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, because I still have all the scriptures memorized to use out of context um, for any given argument. Um, if I said like drinking wine and I said that, oh oinos come on man okay so let's just do this right here why don't you ask about drinking wine ryan and i will bounce off of one another and we will let you know what the bible says about that so go for it ask us about ask us about alcohol so what is your uh, stance on on alcohol like at dinner like wine like is that something y'all do like maybe hit me with some of that what's your favorite wine Well, I'll start and say that the Bible says that strong drink is a mocker. Wine is raging. Strong drink is a mocker and that you ought to stay as far away from that as you possibly can. In fact, in the Bible, in the book of James chapter four, verse 17, it says him that knows to do good and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. The Bible also says to abstain from all appearance of evil. And I ain't never been in a restaurant seeing somebody with a glass of wine or a margarita or a beer and thought, man, they look so much closer to God. What I will say is that they look so much closer to the world while they're holding that worldly beverage in their hand. And since they're holding a worldly beverage in front of the world, I can clearly say that they are not abstaining from the appearance of evil. They appear to have fellowship with evil and they're out there not being filled with the spirit. They're being filled with alcohol. And let me just say for all of you liberal preachers who are out there that say that the Bible just says that you you can drink in moderation just as long as you don't get drunk. Let me tell you something, friend. You have one drink and you're way more drunk than i am having zero so boom that was way too quick basically he just took everything <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> you just hit it all my favorite That's wine what... is welsh's grape juice friend oh my word mm. do you guys um now what what's your thoughts on like premarital handholding well do you know what we say is uh premarital handholding leads to um close intimate relationship which leads to dancing which is ultimately the worst of the sins so we don't do hands that. down absolutely no you don't, it, you don't no what about the video game called just dance that you know you play with like your friends you're probably going to hell oh man i'm learning so much what about Lord, guitar we, hero ryan guitar hero oh my gosh so much john john and his guitar hero christian sermon never never again would you tell that story for us please so this would be it would be a secondhand story because i came after you pre i wasn't there when you preached it okay but the so so john preached a message the year before i went to camp victory called the guitar hero christian and i have no i still i still oh obviously before his time just Stephen Furtick has nothing on John's title skills, um, no. just nothing. And so Guitar Hero Christian, I still actually don't know what the context of the message was, 
But for at least a year to two years after that, he was a legend in of the fact that you just, how could you ever put such a worldly, excuse me, rock and roll title, mix it with your, 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 you're basically they were saying that you can't have good and 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 bitter water come out of the same well so how could mm. you mix rock and roll and jesus at the same time and it's just an abomination mm. you would you would to ever have that in a service <laughs> to young people unbelievable in your spiked hair and plaid shirts with your jesus john i mean just unbelievable and mercy me listening mm. cast and crown loving sounds like they need to cast their own crowns off it sounds oh, like gosh. now now here's one for you now is ripped skinny jeans gay. you might as well yeah. just you might as well just be wearing no pants at all yeah those that's are where we are Kim. all of the independent baptist world pink lace underwear pink lemonade mm-hmm. sipping while they pee christians mm-hmm. but, but and it's so, all justin bieber's fault <laughs> So, John, when, when we were hanging out three years ago at, like, Elevation and you were wearing clothes that were like that, um, <laughs> were, were you feeling the wrath of, of God in those moments? So what was interesting about the timing of our photos with uh, some of the staff at Elevation Church was the next week I was at a Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is the home church of the Sword of the Lord publication where I was taking photos with men whose names won't mean anything to you, Eli, but they will to Ryan. I'm there having dinner with Paul Chapel and Stephen Russ and the pastor at Franklin Road to name just a few of the ones that I can still remember. Um, And so those photos were posted back to back, Elevation Church, then Franklin Road, and um, the comments were funny. The direct messages were mean. The people who removed me as a friend simply because of those photos was not surprising, but humorous nonetheless. I am, uh, I am here for this. And this needs to be, can, this just needs to be its own, its own segment. I'm glad this is recording so we can take sound bites from this. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> because this this is probably more relatable than we, than we probably even know that it is. This is like like viral in like the Christian world. I just want to say that the the two episodes today will be will already go down as two of my favorite episodes ever. Yeah. Um, I'm here for that. Yeah, I'm enjoying this one. The one we did um, earlier today was so much fun. So, um, well, I'm excited to dive into the, the meat of the episode if you're ready. Ryan, by the way, what you just watched for the last 10 minutes is how me and John became friends in the first place. We yeah, came from totally two very, very opposite places and we found a way to make a sandwich and it was amazing. Mm. He's the grape jelly and I'm the peanut butter. And so... All we needed was the bread and we were good to go. Very nice. <laughs> I'll take it. Um. <laughs> so, so what you're telling me is it's peanut butter jelly time. That's, that's, in essence, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly in a baseball bat. Um, <laughs> well, did you just come out like peanut butter jelly time? Oh, 
Well, Stop, you're dancing looking. right now. I'm stumbling, yeah. you're dancing. I'm stumbling. Yeah, and I, are those arms that I see and they're not covered? Mm. No, that's all right for the men. It's, oh. not a, it's not a sleeveless shirt. It's got sleeves on it, so it's godly. I will tell so, you, until I was in seventh grade, so whatever, 13 or 14, I don't think I slept in anything but sweatpants and a t-shirt. Like sleeveless hmm. shirts and shorts were not allowed. Okay. You don't understand. Right. This content is gold and I'm not sure gonna, I'm going to be able to keep it back. <clears throat> wow. This is worth the wait uh, right here. All right, let's get started. All right. So, all right. You ready? <laughs> yep. In three, two. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the PK Podcast. And as always, we want to remind you that PK doesn't stand for Perfect Kid. It stands for Preacher's Kid. And we're here to talk about, because we're preachers, the alliterated perks, the people, and even the problems with being a PK. So, how's it going in Wilmington, North Carolina? How's life? How's Amanda? Oh, she is great. Everything is fan fantastic i've been loving these like big adjectives lately so i'm just going to keep going with all the adjectives fantastic incredible just god bless life stupendous and just a little bit of everything it's turning spring here so we're getting all the pollen so like people aren't sure if you have like allergies or if you have covid mm. so you know it's like you start seeing people with like their quadruple masks on now because they're not sure which it is and they're just really terrified so that's kind of where we are right now Come on. And today, Absolutely. I'm introducing a longtime friend. That was drum a roll. Drum roll. Could I get one more? One more. <laughs> I, would, I would do that, but it sounds too close to speaking in tongues. And so I'm going to stay. Um, for all of our Baptist friends, I'm going to stay away from the tongues for this episode. And I'm going to introduce my longtime Baptist friend. Uh, his dad pastors in Illinois. He's a fourth-generation preacher's kid. Comes from that independent, fundamental, Bible-believing King James only bless God better than you Baptist strain of Christianity. And um, Indy he, Fundy, he's he's living it up. You love that new that new term you learned today, Indy. Yeah, Indy Fundy. Yeah, I'm learning some new things. I'm feeling like I'm in the cool kids club. <laughs> Come on. Well. This guy, um, I won't call out any more embarrassing details than just to say that he was almost my brother-in-law, um, but he's not, and uh, I'm still proud for him. Uh, his name is Ryan Hayfley, and we're excited oh, to have on, you on the podcast, go. Ryan. Ryan, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'd like to first point out that we should all be wearing shirts and ties because this is a gathering, and we're two or three together, are gathered together. In uh, Jesus' name, he's in the midst, and he would want nothing but the best. So Amen. shirts and ties, men, shirts and ties. Next time. Oh, I got to find mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I've yes. seen your one tie. It was a sharp tie. Oh, I bought that the day before. I got you. And then you borrowed a belt, I think, from... No, I left my belt. No, I have the pants, and I have the I have every, I had everything but the tie. The tie I bought. The, the belt I just left at home, and that was its own its own situation that day. Ryan, before we even dive into asking you questions, I just want to set this up for you real quick and say that um, when you come from a conservative background, really a conservative background across multiple denominational lines, the phrase has been used 
that you would wear a suit and tie if you were going to see the president, then why don't you wear a suit and tie when you're going to the church house to meet with the Lord? I can assuredly say that Eli Blevins did wear a suit and tie when I took him to see the president, and mm -hmm. I've never seen him wear that at church. What say you? Straight to hell. Mm. you can't you can't you can't uh you can't serve two masters there eli it's got to be it's got to be the same there it's got to about... be the same you're going you're going to see the president so so you want to you want to look your best if you go do an interview mm. you want to look your best you wear a shirt yeah. and tie and yeah. uh because that's what you do and and so when you go to church if you're not in a shirt and tie then uh clearly you're not giving your best to the lord and the elders mm. will just take you out of the church and Ananias and sapphira acts five Right there. So he's what, not, what about he's Easter? not the president? He's he's not uh, an employer. He's the king of kings, and the he's Lord king of kings. Yeah, come on. So. Now, does it count as Easter? Like, is that does Easter count or Christmas? Well, that would make if you only wear a shirt and tie on Christmas and Easter, then that makes you no better than what we call a creaster. So oh, I'm okay. sure you have creasters in your your circle oh, as well. Yeah. They are oh, plentiful. Yeah. So they are so basically, basically, you're a fake Christian. Mm. Dang it. Me and my Christmas tree will go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so much. So we like to open up every episode by asking a preacher kid, every preacher's kid about their experience growing up because every PK has got a different perspective and they've got different parents. And so um, I just wanted to know, what was it like for you growing up as a PK? What's the PK life like? Honestly, my experience was pretty good um, compared to some kids that I've, I've met um, and talked to as far as being a pastor's kid. Um, my parents are, are awesome. They're both great. And they made the experience, uh, for the most part, uh, pretty great. Um, uh, I my dad pastored before I was born and his dad before him. And I have a, gr a great grandfather that pastored before him. So I was just born right into it. Um, and I think my mom's always said it was like five or six days after my birth, I was in church. And basically every time the doors were open, one of those kids that was there running around causing havoc, talking in church, trying to figure out how to put drinking fountains at the end of every pew, because I was dying of thirst in the middle of the service and you couldn't get up to go get a drink of water or use the bathroom or you got taken out and uh switched you know with the tree or the blind shade whatever was handy um but uh yeah so my objection that switched doesn't mean traded out for another person no 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 a switch, a switch is a, off the tree and a pull off the tree the correction uh, absolutely spare spare not the rod amen and amen. uh let's just say the rod was never spared <laughs> No, my, my, uh, like I said, my experience was great. Um, my dad pastored, uh, his dad's church for uh, 25 years. And that was where the majority of my childhood was, was in a larger ministry. Um, we had a media program, we had a, a Christian school, we had a growing church, a large facility, gymnasium, all that. And that was pretty much, uh, what I knew and, uh, a Bible college and, uh, very Baptist and, you know, we, uh, we were in church all the time and, and serving where we could. And, and, you know, it was kind of up until I would say probably my late teens, it was more of just uh, trying to do whatever I could to make myself a normal kid in the midst of being a PK. 
I guess you could you could say and 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 trying to do as much to make my parents happy but still feel somewhat normal in the middle of all of it and uh so yeah he pastored that church and then he resigned and we went and traveled and I did music and enjoyed that um traveling around the country um getting to getting to see different churches meet different preachers kids and kind of hear their experience and then uh he ended up taking a church about uh nine years ago in Illinois and that's where he's been ever since and we help out there and all that so that's pretty amazing I want to know what your um favorite place that you've traveled and been to in America um to preach sing worship minister to people is Ooh. I would probably say Texas. Hands Texas. Down. Everything's um, bigger there. Texas um, was just awesome. And the style of music that we did, my dad referred to as Hoosier Hillbilly because we had banjos, guitars, mandolins, acoustic bass, and all that. And so we would go into these churches in Texas and it just fit right along. And so people would get up and, you know, shout and holler and they really enjoyed it and uh, made us feel uh loved and welcomed and and just had a good time and you know people running up and down the aisles and you know crying yep. in the pews and it was just so much fun shout out to texas the state of where john and olivia live my in-laws live and where bucky's is and uh if you don't know about bucky's then you're missing out shout out to bucky's most of all i think that that is the that is definitely a redeeming feature for texas and the cowboys yeah we, yeah we love the cowboys for better for worse it's a Whoa. marriage <laughs> a lot of for worse right now <laughs> it is it is a lot of for worse um jerry jones reminds me of like an old deacon who causes nothing but problems but he won't just freaking die yeah he's not going away is he 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 needs to pass the torch on to another generation but he's still caught up in the glory days of what happened one time in the 80s and I'm like, let it go, man. And he's let so riding that way. If he's, he can't give it up. But no, but Texas is a fantastic. Who, who doesn't love Texas? I mean, it's one of the best places in the entire world. So John's over here like, uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, love, we, we love Texas and everything. about it. So you got a chance to travel around and explore. Um, honestly, something that a lot of PKs and don't get an opportunity to do so. And um, I just want to like kind of ask a question for you. Whenever you're in other places or whenever you're interacting with other um, uh, pastor's kids um, around, um, do you find that your experience as a pastor's kid is similar to others or different than others? Um, how does that kind of stack up? Um, not saying that you are necessarily better or worse, but do you feel like your experience as one is kind of on par for those that you've met? Yeah, so I would say that generally every PK I've come in contact has the uh, similar experiences that connect us all, you know, that uh, want of something normal, you know, that want of something, you know, at some point in our life, we've all just wanted to be like, oh my gosh, just leave me alone, Sister Mary, set up the cafeteria by yourself. Um, you know, that, you know, that kind of brings us all together. But I think that to some extent too, every, every pastor's kid's experience is different. I mean, based on denomination, I mean, everybody's parents are different. So I guess there are, I would say there are, there are some certain similarities, but I think everybody's, everybody's a, dip, a little bit different. Absolutely. So do you find that you're kind of um, at a place now where you've kind of maybe found your own identity 
of being in ministry now for yourself outside of you being a fourth generation or whatever it is, apart from your dad or your grandparents? Um, how has that been? How's that? Do people still see you as Ryan, the, the kid, or do they see you as Ryan, the pastor? Um, because I work for my dad's church, so I get it. Um, so I just want to hear maybe your perspective on how that kind of transition is for for you. Yeah, well, I struggled with, I guess I would say, an identity crisis for for most of my teen years because, like I said, I just uh, I genuinely just wanted to fit in with everybody else. Um, I realized at about age twelve that look, being a pastor's kid and saying you wanted to be a preacher when you grew up was not the normal thing, and that was kind of a culture shock for me a little bit to just like come to that realization that, oh, other kids are into sports or other kids are into, um, you know, music or whatever it is. And we're just, you know, I, you know, I said at age nine that I was going to be a pastor, just like my dad and my granddad. And, you know, that was other kids looked at me like, you are so weird. And I was like, I don't like this feeling. I don't, I don't want this. So it kind of became around that age of 13, I guess, 13 or 14, it kind of became a little bit of a, I'm not going to say rebellious phase, but kind of like, a, okay, I'll do what I have to, um, to make mom and dad happy. But I, I do want a little bit of distance from this. And I, I want to, you know, try something else out on my own. You know, I want to, you know, do basketball, play my guitar, whatever it was, and just kind of figure out who I am. And, and I kind of went, came in and out of that through most of my teen years. And then uh, it wasn't until I got married about four years ago, um, that I really started to realize, look, Christianity and being in ministry is going to have to be something that I want for myself, not because my parents want it, not because whoever wants it, it's going to have to be a choice that I make. Is this something that I feel that God has for me to do, to do? And it, is it something that I can, I can give myself to and, and serve him in this way? And, you know, it came to a point where I was like, okay, is, is God, my parents and my granddad's and my great granddad's, you know, God, or is he my God too? Is is he going to work in my life? Is he going to use me? Am I going to allow him to do that? Or am I just going to be another kid? So I went from wanting to be another kid to like, okay, I don't want to just get lost in the crowd. I want to be different. I do want to do something special. And I do want to be a part of building the kingdom. That's amazing. It's, and I think as sometimes as pastors, kids, we can often um, overlook the perks of what some of that looks like for us. And part of being a part of something so much bigger than ourselves or what our previous ambitions were when we were 11, 12, 13 years old was, and we, what we thought life was like. And one of those perks is being able to be a part of something that is changing people's lives every single day. And it's really an honor, but it's also a responsibility. And have you ever just maybe felt the weight of that responsibility as a pastor's kid, um, maybe through influence or people looking up to you? Um, or is that something that just didn't ever happen? Um, you seem to have been traveled around a lot. So I'm sure you had people that were looking up to you and your family and that ever kind of way back on your shoulders at all. Absolutely. There was, there's a certain aspect of responsibility and a certain way you were supposed to act that was expected of you. I mean, that was just the understood code. You were the, you know, or the, you were the guest evangelist kid. You were the pastor's kid. You were expected to act a certain way. You were expected to at, at some extent be perfect. And, um, that, you know, like I said, that kind of took, took its toll, you know, in the middle of my teen years where I was just like, look, I'm not perfect. I don't want to be perfect. I don't, I don't want to have to live up to the standard. And yeah, so I, I would say, yeah, it did, it did 
it did hit me there for for a couple of years where I was just like, this is too much and I don't want this. I was talking with a, another pastor's kid friend of mine just like a month ago. And, you know, he was telling me how he, he just, he would trade anything to not be a pastor's kid. And I remember being at that point, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to only know ministry. I just want to be normal. I just want to get picked up from baseball practice or basketball practice and be normal and go to my journey and Led Zeppelin concert and, and just be normal to some extent. And, um, I look back on that now and I wouldn't trade any of it for the world because you get experiences that no other kid gets. You get to see God work firsthand when other kids have to hear stories of how God provided or God worked or God moved. You saw it firsthand as the pastor's kid. Absolutely. A lot of, like you just said, other kids get to hear sermon illustrations and you get to see the sermon illustrations. And then sometimes you get to be the uh, sermon illustration. <laughs> Has there ever been a super embarrassing or awkward sermon illustration that involved you from the pulpit? Um, when I was four years old, my dad came off the platform, took me out and spanked me and then came back in and got up preaching. Come on. That may so be, that would probably be my <laughs> <laughs> I was being like the spawn of Satan and I could see it and I was just, he stopped in the middle of his sermon, just came down, got me, took out, took me out back, spanked me, came back in, went up and finished the sermon, prayed, amen. And we went home and I was, didn't want to show my face as a four-year-old kid. What were you, what were you doing? Like sitting there singing an elevation song or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) I was drawing Christmas trees. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what were you doing? Like, trying to, like, re- retweeting out Joel Osteen or something over there in the corner? <laughs> I was playing the air guitar in the middle of the service. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you were, your feet was tapping on beat. My feet Golly. was tap. my feet were tapping on beat. Yes, absolutely. If your foot's going to be on a beat, you better make sure it's the one and the three, not the two and the four. You know what I'm saying? Dude, the two and the four, it changes your heartbeat and messes with the way God created you. You're not supposed to go above the three beat. That's the devil's beat. That's the devil's beat come on i'm getting i feel like i'm getting like a science lesson a history lesson and a like religion lesson all you in came so to the much. right place <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm just kidding people are going to be like are these guys serious and, I, and then they're asking me and i'm like i don't know ryan you talked about feeling that weight you know that i think every pk relates to in their own way um, living up to those expectations and all of that. But then there's also a weight of, you know, wanting to be normal. And then you started to transition in your own belief system um, away from some of the things that historically your family, your dad, your grandparents, your great grandparents and the like represented. Um, and I want to clarify this for those that are listening. Ryan didn't go off the deep end and like, you know, go do something crazy. He just started to really, and we had conversations about how you're going, okay, I'm trying to figure out why I believe this. And if I believe this, and then you arrived in a few areas at my dad, my family, or that, you know, my denomination, I may not see eye to eye on this exactly. I'm curious, what was the pivotal moment for you when you decided I, I do want to be a part of something awesome. I, I do not care so much about being normal. I want to serve the Lord. And then even further, what caused you to go, okay, not only that, 
but I want to question things and I want to be my own person. What does that journey look like? Well, um, John alluded to it a few minutes ago. Uh, definitely my entire life, I've always been the guy that was ready to argue and opposing you at the drop of the hat. And definitely some of the times to quote his quippy line, I brought the hat <laughs> to, to drop. And so I guess my enjoyment and desire to have conversations and arguments and disagreements and have people prove their side of the argument kind of led me or, or at least started that journey. And again, when I got married, four years ago was really the point when I was like, okay, it's time to be an adult and let's figure out what we're going to do. And uh, we ended up moving out of my, uh, away from my dad's church. I kind of wanted to get out. Not that it was bad. And this is, this is going to, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm bashing my parents because I'm not. Um, but we ended up moving out away from their ministry and up to Chicago to a ministry up there. Cause I kind of wanted to get out from underneath that shadow and kind of figure out what my ministry would look like out from underneath my dad's shadow. And that was kind of the moment where, where I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I actually believe on things because I would have conversations. People would call me out on it. We would have uh, conversations or arguments and people would say, okay, well, I would defend my point. And I would say, well, my dad says, well, my dad says this. And so I became the guy uh, right out the gate that every answer that I had had something to do with my dad. Not that that was, that was bad or anything like that, but it was, okay, this guy doesn't have any of his own opinions. And so that really challenged me. Uh, a friend really challenged me to uh, kind of come up with my own opinions on things. And I, I wanted to go back and I wanted to start with square one and, and look and say, okay, what do I believe of, about this? You know, start with the gospel and the clear message of grace, 100%. I agree with that. Okay, let's go from here. What do I believe about, you, you know, whatever it is, tongues? What do I believe about Bible versions? What do I believe about um, uh, Christmas trees? What do I believe about guitars, electric guitars? You know, all this stuff, just just simple things to everybody, but to a preacher's kid, I mean, it's it's own or disown time. Really, it is. And, and it takes good friends um, um, like John, and it takes good, uh, a good spouse like my wife to, to, to encourage me to, okay, look at what God's word says and his opinion is the only one that matters. So let's find out what he says about some of this stuff and let's see if we can separate some of the preference with some of the scripture. And now you're getting ready to return to work with your dad and work for your dad in his ministry. And because I know you on a personal level, I know that there are there are areas where if you were planting a church today, it might look extraordinarily different from your dad's ministry. Yet um, the Lord is leading you to serve under his ministry for however long, you know, however long the Lord leads. Um, will, will there be tension? Will you feel a pressure there? And the reason why I'm asking is because, um, you know, my PK friend that's listening is saying, I don't see eye to eye with my parents. Um, I don't think I could ever work for them. You know, my PK friend that's listening is going, um, and I don't know how to deal with the fact that we disagree. It becomes a clashing and a bumping of heads rather than a, you know, an understanding. And so I hope you can help us navigate that because you're doing it really well. Uh, you give me too much credit. 
<laughs> it's a lot of conversations with friends that have already done it and a lot of conversations with with counsel and and my wife and and, and other good friends and, and good pastors um, but I would say that the the probably the easiest part for me is I already kind of did it with him before I, I kind of know what to expect and I feel like I I now have a better understanding of where I'm at out from underneath of his teaching, I guess, in a sense. Um, I have my own beliefs and my own values from scripture, a majority of which, a good majority of which line up with the exact same things that he teaches. And the way that we work together, it, the, the way that we do things is very similar. When you remove all of the, you know, the preferences and this, that, and the other, our, our minds work the same. Um, and so I would say that you have to look if you're going to work for your parents, you have to look and you have to say, okay, what are the core fundamental issues here? What are the things that we do agree upon? And with, in my case, most everything we, we agree upon and, and the core things we agree upon. And then I have great parents and a great dad in that he does not back down from a challenge or a question or anything like that. And he gives me uh, opportunities to, to, to bring those up to him. And I, I can say, you know, hey, look, what do you think about this? And he doesn't just dismiss it and say, look, you're going to hell, you're in a handbasket, you know, put down yada, yada, X, Y, Z, you know, he's, he's open to the discussion. And we have great conversations, long conversations, many of which will get heated in the moment, but we still love each other. And we still care about the same thing, building the kingdom of God. And and that I think is what it comes down to is, do you want to build the kingdom of God? Do you agree with some of the same things that the, the core things that your parent holds to? And, and, and then you go from there. And like I said, a lot of counsel, a lot of prayer, you know, when, when they first started mentioning to me coming back to work for him, you know, at, at first I was, I, I said, no about three different times was like, you know, I'm, I'm in a commitment where I'm at in the ministry that I'm at now. I want to stay here. I'm, I'm still trying to figure everything out. And then the Lord just really started, you know, kind of working in my heart and in my life and uh, said, look, this is something that you need to do. And, and this is a point that I have prepared you for, and you're going to go back and you're going to do it. And it's going to be great. And I'm sure there's going to be tension. I'm, I'm absolutely positive. There's going to be tension. I, I know that if you would ask either of my parents today, they would say, oh yeah, there's going to be tension because uh, when it comes down to it, everybody is individual. Everybody is individualistic and they have their own, you know, their own preferences, their own styles. But like I said, it, it really just comes back to, do you want to build the kingdom of God? Do you hold to the same core values that they do the same core biblical principles that you can go back on? And, and even when there's a disagreement, you know, that they love the Lord, they love you and they care about you. They just want to see you succeed at whatever you're doing. Imagine for a moment that we have the opportunity to put you on a stage and every PK from around the world is attending this event. And you have got a few minutes to say to them what you wish somebody would have said to you early on. What do you share? with the PKs of the world who are younger or maybe even nearing your age who are in the thick of this right now? I would say, first of all, that nobody's opinion matters except God's. His opinion of you and what, what you do 
is the only thing that you should be concerned with. It's very easy to get wrapped up in trying to please your parents or trying to pre please the deacons or the elders or whatever you have in your church. It's very easy to get wrapped up in all of that. It's very easy to, to go down a path of, of, you know, more or less just putting on a, a brave face and doing what you're told just to try and keep the, the conflict minimal, to try and keep the tension down, to try and just be the PK that everyone wants you to be. Like, look, you know what to do, just do it. I don't know how many times I've been told that was, you know better, you know, you know better. And, and I would say that you need to remember in the middle of all that, you're going to want to hate your parents. You're going to want to hate God, but just remember, he cares about you. He's created you a specific way, different. Even though we all have a little bit of our parents in us, you're still different. And he's still changing you and making you into his image and making you to be what he wants you to be. And if you keep that in mind, you'll be fine. So, so yeah, I guess I would, I would have to say that just remember that God's opinion is the one that matters and don't get, don't get caught up in the, the identity crisis that the culture surrounds us with of having to, you know, perform or, you know, seem like you're a way that you're not just 100%. It is okay to be the weirdo. It is okay to say that you're going into ministry. Everybody is doing the same thing nowadays. Everybody is, you know, working their job, you know, renting, they have a dog, they have a kid and, you know, they try and climb the ladder, but ultimately when you're given an opportunity in ministry, you're giving an opportunity to build something that is eternal and that goes beyond this world and goes beyond uh, the, the here and the now. Do you have any epic uh, dad fail moments that you uh, would share with us? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, I got to remember how this went. Uh, we were traveling. We were in Michigan and we were supposed to do a, we were, we were supposed to do a, a music set, right? And um, we were there. Uh, I think we were, I was, oh gosh, I, I have two siblings, right? So uh, a brother that's younger and then a little sister um, at the time, right? And we're supposed to sing our songs and do whatever. And there's this like really good bluegrass Christian group there that I really was like, you know, we got to impress these people. And, you know, we were like the precursor to their music. So I wanted to just get up so everything's tuned up. We're ready to go. Mic check, yada, yada, yada. Everything goes awesome. We get up there and we're going to sing one of our smash hits. <laughs> oh, what a savior, right? Great, great worship song. Uh, and we get up and we sing it. And my dad sings the lead on two of the verses. I think we do the first and the last, as is traditional in Baptist circles. Um and he gets to the last verse and completely forgets the words and just starts mumbling on and making up something. And I look over in the corner and that bluegrass group is just dying, absolutely laughing. I'm so embarrassed. My face is beat red and my dad doesn't even care. Just like starts lifting his hand, praising Jesus, you know, shed a little bit of a tear like he got choked up in the moment, makes up something. And then we just go into the chorus, you know just bring it on home and that was probably my favorite fail moment that is epic 
Hey, thanks as always for listening to the PK Podcast. And we want to remind you that we are proudly a part of the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast Network. And you can find us on Instagram at Those Preachers Kids, on Twitter at That PK Podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you need to hit somebody up to vent, to cuss, to laugh or to cry, hey, you can find us anywhere that you look. We love you. You're our family. Don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a review. That helps us oh so much. 